This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and I am joined as always with my good friend. Take that back. <laughs> no, wait a second. No, no, keep, keep, keep that. <laughs> what I meant to say was my mortal enemy. <laughs> with my nemesis. <laughs> no, I, well, I. I <laughs> I said good friend. I wanted to say great friend. Thank Best you. Best bud. Best Thank bud. You. Look at that. Thanks. Friends. 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 It just, it didn't come out right. So, uh, but there we go. Uh, Tighten that up. Are we going <laughs> to name them? Name them and shame them? Name them and shame them? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. Are we going to name him and shame him? I, I didn't mention who my, my good friend and business partner was. <laughs> it's Jason Johnston. <laughs> Hello, 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 and I am very excited to welcome Mm -hmm. our listeners to Scotland. Yeah. Uh, We are in my homeland. We are currently driving through a very wet and wild Argyle forest. Mm. Uh, Snow on the hillside, snow on the tops. Um, If there's a bit of noise from the road, if there's a bit of noise from the, the rain hitting the windscreen, I want our listeners to know we are using the lapel mics. Yeah. That, yep. that I that I jokingly made reference to uh, previously and that I told our listeners the story uh, at the end of one of our recent podcasts. We are now officially using lapel mics mm-hmm. in a car. Mm-hmm. Driving across Scotland, recording this week's podcast. In the end, I, I don't care that you know the purchase of the lapel mics may touch our <laughs> bottom line. Uh, I'm just, it's 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 good fun. I I think what's the most interesting part of this, and, yeah. and I think this is when our business relationship is most like a marriage, is uh, is when we have sex. <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke in there about, no, I think it's the opposite of that. But, <laughs> but, however, however. We don't have sex. I I have not asked how much any of our equipment no, has cost. that's good. You just roll your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen a receipt. Mm-hmm. I have not looked at the accounts. Yeah. I I do not want to know what you're spending on any of this equipment. You don't. You really don't. <laughs> I, I tell you what's also one of my, my favorite parts of recording this in the car is we have this beautiful red receiver yeah. uh, perched on the dashboard uh, that our lapel mics are running through yes. uh, to give us hopefully good quality sound. Um, and I just love the fact that if we were to crash, we would be recording our final moments. Uh, we, instead of a black box, we have a red box recorder. Uh, and our wives will be able to hear us joking about our sexual relationship. <laughs> a not business a partner. <laughs> and me not asking you how much you're spending on recording equipment. <laughs> and which, another reason why I'm not going to mention it here. Because I don't want our wives to know how much we've spent uh, how much I've spent on our recording equipment. <laughs> yeah, we are very much... I think we were telling Ian this yesterday. Um, oh, and we should say... People have seen the masthead on this, but Ian is, of course, Ian McAllister, distillery manager at Glen Scotia, uh, the focus of today's episode. But I was telling him yesterday, uh, and I've said this on the podcast previously, we're now just in the business of selling whiskey so that Joshua can buy equipment <laughs> for our industry podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so keep, please keep buying those bottles. Uh, please help us get new mics. Yeah, yeah. We we don't charge you for this podcast, uh, and it's because we're selling you our whiskey, so you can fund it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know how many of our listeners are fans of Two Dope Queens. Oh, uh, absolutely wonderful podcast. I don't even know it. And so uh, they, during their their fourth season, were pitching that they need sixty thousand dollars a month holy cow to run their podcast uh, that that was the the call for funding 
was $60,000 and that was going to get them through a month. A month? Uh, and so I just need you to guarantee me in this moment that we're not spending $60,000 a month on this podcast. A little more, but, you know. <laughs> Once again, please buy your bottles. Singlecastnation.com. <laughs> so, so, Jason, we yes, are, like you said, we're driving around Scotland right now. We, we actually, excuse me, we just left Campbelltown. We drove through Inverary, and we are now in the Argyle Forest. Yes, sir. And uh, I, I wanted to tell people quickly, before we jump into our our absolutely wonderful conversation with with Ian McAllister at Glen Scotia. Yes, sir. I wanted to let people know briefly when we got here, what what we're doing, what our aim is. Okay. Okay. Um, You know, Jason and I try to come out to Scotland on single cast nation business at least once a year. Sometimes it's twice a year. And then we're here, of course, on, on Whiskey Geek Tours, bringing people out here. And uh, we've incorporated Campbelltown uh, quite a bit more into into our tours. It's it's oh, very really much so. a special place. Very much so. Um, but but we're here on single cast nation business. So we landed on Monday. What day was that? Uh, Monday. Monday was Monday. Mon- oh, Monday was Monday. Yeah, all day. Oh, the whole day. The whole whole shebang. Okay. Till about midnight. Oh, and it changes over to the Wednesday. <laughs> Friday, but you're close. <laughs> um, so we landed uh, just this past uh, Monday, which I think is the 22nd, 21st, 22nd. I tell you, it's very easy to lose track of what day it is <laughs> while you're out here. And it's not because we're, we're getting drunk all the time. Yes, not we all were, the time. Not all the time. Uh, it's just each day runs into the next. Anyway. Uh, so we landed on the Monday. We headed down south, down to uh, Thornhill to go to our bottling hall. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll have a new section a little later, but I wanted to let everybody know we were excited, dare I say, chuffed. <laughs> to uh, <laughs> Look at you with a local patois. <laughs> I almost went Irish there for a second. Oh, don't do that. Ah, cha, 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 cha. Don't, yeah, no, no, no. The wrong country. Wrong right. country. Look, yep. Just across the water, we just uh, just came up the coast. But no, no, okay. we're not Irish. Uh, so To we, be sure. To be sure. So we saw all of our bottlings for our third release. Everything's been bottled. just needs to be labeled. And then it'll come over here. Our Port Charlotte 14-year-old. Mm. First fill Oloroso Hagi. Yum, yum, yum. That's been bottled and labeled. That is ready to come over. Yeah. And, uh, and while we were down there too we we met up with David Stirk we did and we had a nice little sit down with him so we're kind of excited he will be our I think he's no no he'll be our second person to return to the podcast mm. Is right Eddie Russell? we had Eddie twice yep so uh so we had a really nice sit down with David and you know it's it's kind of funny and I don't want to take words out of your mouth Jason because you're the one that brought this up. Okay. But when we first sat down with David to record with him the first time around, we really didn't know how this whole podcasting thing would work out. <laughs> so, so, some people might say we're a year in and we still don't. <laughs> uh, the guy who edits, though, I think he does a great job. <laughs> I was just going to say we're so far into purchasing that we got to keep doing it. we got to figure something out at some point. So the first time around, we recorded a a solid 17 minutes, thinking that that would be part of a 30 to 45-minute podcast, and regular listeners would know we're hitting around an hour and a half (laughs) regularly. Yeah, maybe that guy who does a fantastic job of the editing might need to do just a wee bit more. Maybe the guy who co-hosts should fuck off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well then, tell us how you really feel. Uh, So this time around... You're going to buy a new mic in anger now. (laughs) So this time around, instead of 17 minutes with David, we got a good hour, 10, hour, 13 minutes with him. And just a great conversation. So uh, look out for that episode coming soon. Um, What else did we do? What did we do? Just quickly, just to 
Synopsize. Uh, we, we checked out a new warehouse for storage. All right, yeah. Um, just to see what that might look like and have a conversation there. Uh, visited a, a, another couple of brokers mm-hmm. uh, to see what selections uh, of casks might yeah. be floating around. Yeah, we selected nine so far. Yeah. Nine casks. Uh, I, now we're up to ten, actually. Oh, we're up to ten. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, I'm glad it's a productive visit for us. Um, and then, yeah, yesterday, the Wednesday, we, we made the drive from Ayrshire over to Campbelltown and gave the the lapel mics a test drive. And I mean that quite literally. <laughs> no, I, I don't, because you can't literally drive a lapel mic. But um, You just got to try hard enough. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just negotiating some construction work here. Uh, there's a lot of potholes on these Scottish roads and there's been a bit of repaving happening so yeah yeah so, yeah, so while, while Jason's negotiating yes thank you Josh. trying to figure out how to drive I'll, I'll carry on so <laughs> so yesterday we drove down to Campbelltown we test drove our new lapel mics not they literally sounded, <laughs> they sounded wonderful um, and our first meeting of the day was with Ian McAllister of Glen Scotia Distillery and I'm trying to figure out how to say this, Jason. Poorly would be your MO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Instead of some of the wrong words. So, no, so, so. Back so, it up a few times. Yeah, go easy. I would say that <laughs> nearly every person we deal with in the industry. Mm-hmm is a good person. So far. Right? So far. Right? They're, they're just good people and whether they're competitors, right? Yeah. They're also friends. Yeah, yeah. Right? Small industry, tight-knit community. Yeah. But I would say of all the people that we met and we keep meeting more and more people, Ian McAllister is right up there for being a sweetheart. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. right? Absolutely. Just like with, uh, with Eddie Russell... Correct. A gentleman, sweetheart, thoughtful, uh, knows what the hell he's doing, which is which is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, is is so I think I would dare say in love with his distillery. Oh right? very much it's so, his, yes, 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 yes. It's truly his baby, right? Yes, 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 yes. And so spending time with him, well first thing I say, I don't think we spent enough time with him. I wish we got a chance to spend <laughs> a little more. Might have to ask him that follow-up question. <laughs> But we got a good, uh, we got a chance to spend some time with Ian, and so we'll go over to that interview in, in just a little bit. But the reason we were down to see Ian, and this is this is the part that that quite excites me as well, is we've incorporated now uh, a new partnership mm-hmm. into that single cast nation family of distilleries that sell to us directly. Yeah, yeah, really, really over the moon about that, and and in terms of the. The transparency. A whiskey lorry just came really close to our, <laughs> our wing mirror in a very tight corner there. Uh, for the Americans out there, a <clears throat> lorry is, also, is a truck. It is. An 18-wheeler uh, just came barreling around a very tight bend uh, with a, a load of whiskey. So, um, yeah, to, in terms of the transparency that we're always trying to uh, deliver to, to the listeners of, of One Nation Under Whiskey, um, we've been in conversation with Glen Scotia about this type of collaboration, uh, partnership, addition to the Single Cast Nation family uh, since 2016. Yeah, that's right. And I, I know that that many of you are chomping at the bit to get the Port Charlotte 14 into, into the United States. Things move at their own pace. Yeah, right? we're, yeah. we're nearly there. We're nearly nearly finalized that uh, program process, bottling, call it what you will Um, and so here you get to hear 2016 we started talking with Glen Scotia uh, and and Loch Lomond and Loch Lomond, Uh, yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. we're adding Loch Lomond to the family as well yeah, that's great news, that Uh, that was very exciting yeah, yeah yeah. and and so the the hope uh, will be, not, not getting too far ahead of ourselves but when Josh and I return to Scotland, we'll have a chance to visit Loch Lomond, interview the distillery manager there, meet, for me, meet him for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I met um, him before, Michael. 
yeah, looking uh, looking forward to that. And so there'll be another podcast coming up uh, that talks about uh, an addition to the family. So yeah, really, really excited. Um, Ian was very kind mm-hmm. to uh, to have a wee poke around his warehouse and find casks <laughs> yeah. that were representative of Glen Scotia, uh, nation members um, who, who listen to this podcast understand our MO, how we go about uh, our, our first release with a partner distillery tries to tell a very specific story about that distillery, mm-hmm. introduce members to that distillery, maybe it's fallen off a radar, maybe they just don't know that much about it, um, maybe it's been in the shadow of other distilleries that they've focused on. Um, and so we like to come out the gate with something representative. We did it with our Glen Murray uh, way back in the day, It's uh, our Colhoman way yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, it is funny though, because I think about the Aaron that we came out the gate with. Mm-hmm. And, and while it's the reason we own an independent bottling company, um, <laughs> yeah. it did not show what what Aaron no, you know, yeah. does as a distillery. That's a good point. It was it was quite outside their uh, standard yeah. core range yeah. flavor they profile. Have nothing else like it. Yeah, but no, I, th- I think you, you bring up a very good point. Here we are. We're we're trying to introduce a distillery. To our single cast nation members, yeah. to you know, to those that buy our whiskey, we're trying to introduce a distillery to them that they just may not be familiar with. Yeah, and and I think when when you have Glen Scotia, you know their their releases have been there's been a lot of start stop start stop start stop with how they release their whiskey and when it comes to the U.S. market what came in, how little came in, Correct. how much came in. And Correct. and you look at their, you know, various iterations of packaging where it seemed as if they were trying to reinvent themselves, reinvent themselves, reinvent themselves. And um, and so I, I, I take it very seriously when when we when we establish this relationship, it's you know, there's a reason we selected the cask we selected yeah. is is we understand that they are trying to relaunch their brand and we want to be a part of that and we're aligning our single cast selection a bit with what they're a, a bit in a way that would seem natural to fit within their core range. Right? Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. The, the focus for me is why did Ian select oh, the casks yeah. um, to offer us, right? Yeah. And, and that's one of the joys for us in, in doing the, the collaboration yep. uh, work bottlings with a distillery is that it gives us a chance to see what that distillery manager thinks is the strong side of their distillery. Good point. Um, and then we, in choosing among that range of samples, get to... to present that to our membership we then return over subsequent years look at what we've done with Glen Murray look what we did with Aaron Uh, here we are now with with Glen Scotia you'll get to see different types of Glen Scotia coming into to the nation Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. Um, and so I I love the opportunity to A have that discussion with the distillery manager but then B be responsible for representing that on behalf of the manager as well yeah yeah and you know one thing I'd like to point out too and and we'll get to the to the interview in in just a couple minutes uh, though you know us so it may be in another 30 minutes (laughs) let us back up a few more times (laughs) Uh, what I what I really enjoyed. So we we meet with we meet up with Ian. He has the table all ready for us. Uh, sometimes we'll go to the warehouse and we'll taste the casks in the warehouse. But what I what I really enjoyed about this is we're getting to sit in a slightly more comfortable environment. It's a little warmer. It's not in that romantic. You know, you're in the warehouse and you're with the casks and the oak smells amazing and maybe there's a cask leaking and you can smell the whiskey on the floor and, you know, all that. All of that was gone. It was just us, Ian, and the whiskeys in front of us. Yeah, yeah, very able to right? really focus, really dial in on it. Yeah, and, and what, I, what I loved in the end of the 
five whiskeys that we selected, in the end, all three of us agreed that that was the best cask on the table. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Independently of one another, uh, when we kind of revealed mm-hmm. uh, a favorite. Yeah, all, all three of us were on the same page. Yeah, so, so that's wonderful. So that was nice, and, and like you had said, it's it's you know him making those selections to offer up to us, and we get to see a side of you know what he loves about Glen Scotia, or one of the things that he loves. About absolutely, Glen Scotia. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so be- before we go over to the interview, oh, there's another couple minutes. <laughs> see, it just adds I- up. I, I just I just wanted very quickly, okay. and then Josh will reiterate, and then we'll back it up a little bit more. Um, I I want to share something that made me very happy after the the release of our last episode. Uh, we had said a happy uh, release, <laughs> the happiest. Uh, we, I had said at the end of that episode, I really hope that was an interesting time. I really hope yeah. that was was worth our our listeners' time, and I hope it really captured their, their interest. Because uh, obviously we went deep down into uh, label approval, TTB in the United States. Yeah, classification uh, of, of American single malt, how ex- that may change. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, went, we went pretty deep on that, and we got emails and Facebook messages from people who said, Loved it. Please don't worry about whether that was interesting or whether it was too geeky. Mm-hmm. We absolutely loved it. And so, thank you for reaching out. Really hope that was the case for for many of you, if not all of you. Um, and so before we even started the interview with Ian yesterday, I relayed that story to him. And so he, and if you listen carefully, you'll, you'll hear all the way through the interview, he laid down geeky nuggets yeah. all the way through the interview. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he did that specifically with our listeners in mind. Yeah, I, I thought that that was great. He, he understood the aim of the podcast. Right? Exactly. Right? Where you're delivering this, this geeky information, yeah. but in a way that is understandable even by those that may not be so familiar with overall processes and, yep. and things like that. Yep. And, and what I would say to our listeners is, as you're listening to the interview, if, if you've got questions for Ian, drop us a note. Send that along to us. We'll make sure they end up in front of Ian. And then in a follow-up episode, we'll let you know what we heard back from Ian. So you just you just gave Ian more work to do. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful <laughs> that it'll be more passionate All right. than, than, you know, filling out another VAT form or something like that. So, um, okay, so enough of us. Yeah. Enough of us, Joshua. Uh, we're now driving down the side of Loch Lomond. All right. Uh, the sun looks like it might be starting to come out over Glasgow. Um, and so let's, yeah. let's press on, get to our, our next meeting, and uh, let's put on the interview. And then we'll come back for, for news, news misconceptions, misconception. and how to get in touch with us, Perfect. and and all that other Perfect. stuff. And now, over to Ian McAllister with Jason and Joshua. Thanks again, Ian. That's what I've been up against for the past ten years. You know, it's just trying to obviously, um, what is Glen Scotia? Yes. Mm. What makes a good Glen Scotia? Yeah. How do you find the, the the balance, you know, and, and all the components that go to make a good Glen Scotia? Because in fairness, you know, historically, like many distilleries, it's been a hit or a miss. It's been up and down. Just mm. obviously, how it's like any piece of equipment, how it's been run. You know, if it's no loved, it's no managed well, then obviously you're going to get issues. Yeah, sure. Has it spent time silent? Ah, uh, it has. It's it's um, in Glen Scotia, eighteen thirty-two, right up until um, you'd you pre- there would be maybe periods in the twenties when it would be silent for mm-hmm. short periods. Uh, sure, the first 80s. World, uh, first World War, yeah, first year, Second yeah. World War, first year. Mm-hmm. But ah, uh, you're right up until the nineteen eighties, nineteen seventy-seven. They spent Gillis spent about a million pound in this place, which was obviously quite a yeah. You know, Substantial sum, sure. yeah. yeah. These that period, so they invested pretty much after that. The whiskey industry, you know, was it took a downturn. 
Certainly. Um, at that time, it, it wasn't the global market as now. It was more, you know, a national market, if you like. So after that, it had numerous owners and it was mm. unloved, really. So you pretty much through the 80s, the periods of starting and stopping, Gibson had it. Mm-hmm. Gibson International, the Canadians, uh, their Gale Group actually, which was quite interesting. The Gale Group was oh. Gulliver, uh, and Gulliver had um, at that time there was there was court battles with Guinness and such like. You know? right. So Guinness obviously went on to be part of the Diageo. Uh-huh. So there was yeah. a lot of that going on at the time. Glen Scotia was involved in that, um, but no, it, it was pretty hit or miss at that time. It was pretty much just, a, I would say, a pawn, mm-hmm. pawn in bigger schemes, folk with different ideas, yeah. until 1993, I think it was, the Loch Lomond distillers took it over. Okay. Oh, was that far back? Yeah. 93? Yeah. They took it over. Okay. Um, they got it in 93. They would probably conclude everything in 96, and then they did nothing until 99. Okay. That's what wow. started. So when when you came on in 2008, did you, because I think you brought up a very good point, the, the releases that were coming out, whether by you or, or even by some independent bottlers, they were hit or miss. And when they hit, boy, did they hit. And when they missed, they missed. Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself having to, having to fix things as you came on? Is there anything you did maybe from a wood management program or... Uh, changes in distillation or fermentation to sort of, sort of shift the direction in which Glen Scotia was going? Everything. Right. Absolutely <laughs> everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously came here, you know, tell the truth and shame the devil, I came here without a clue, you know. I came into Glen Scotia and uh, I, you know, worked with um, John Peterson mm-hmm. at Loch Lomond. Okay. So I obviously learned off of him, and he obviously um, taught me, if you mm-hmm. like. Um, and obviously John had a lot in his plate. He was obviously running quite a substantial operation up there. So, yeah, between me and him, you know, we obviously um, changed, pretty much changed everything. Obviously the cask policy, um, upgrading, renewing, um, the best will in the world. It's lovely to have... Uh, bits of equipment that look hmm. antique and fantastic, but at the end of the day, if if the product you're you're you know you're obviously creating is not what it should be, mm-hmm. then you've obviously got to understand mm-hmm. first of all, and then look at how you can improve it. Yeah. So we worked through sure. everything. We worked through obviously the 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 cart. Well, obviously the malted barley, the mashing, the fermentation, changing the fermentations. The distillation times, the, well, the fermentation time and the distillation, you know, the cut points, absolutely everything. Wow. And, and you increased the fermentation time. Yes. Significantly. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell us from what to what? We, we've basically, our average, average fermentation time at Glen Scotia is 128.8 hours. That's the wow. average. So that's working from, obviously it's a batch process, so you're working from a, a minimum of 70 you could be right up to 145 hours. Incredibly long. The accountants love it. <laughs> <laughs> and why? Why did yeah. you do it? What did you find doing that? It, it, it's, it's all to do with the flavour profile. Mm-hmm. Okay, so obviously the, getting the new box in there, um, increasing that fermentation time really, really enhanced that flavour Profile, mm-hmm. so we're getting all the we're getting all the, the 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 esters, everything there that we want to capture in distillation is sure. there. We're creating it, if you like. So if we get the right amount, twenty five thousand liter wash box, we're only putting fourteen and a half thousand liters in them, which is quite small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, quite a small amount. But that versus the amount of yeast we're putting in, two m one m x distillers pressed yeast. Obviously, gives a fantastic, um, you know, flavour profile. Interesting. So it's 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 quite hard to understand the fermentation. You know, when you when you look at it, and obviously the way it's been done, um, you think, okay, it's been done to the 
you know, the, the best possible quality, but it's Certainly. not. Mm-hmm. So you've just got to look at it and understand it. Um, but it's, it's important to understand, although we've changed it, we've not changed it to the point you're losing the distillery character. We've just enhanced it and improved it. Sure. Okay, so th- through the distillation, sorry, through the fermentation process, you've got between 70 and 145 hours or so. Average yes. 128.8. Yes. Once that, once that wash is complete... What is what's the ABV of the wash that you're getting it to? We C- Campbelltown always historically had a, roughly be, it wouldn't be much more than eight percent, you know, okay. you, you, ever so slightly, but thereabouts. It was always quite a, a low straight historically. A, historically, a lower ABV, and and the reason I ask because we were talking about this before we started recording was that Campbelltown whiskies have a specific flavor. It's unmistakable. Just like Isla has Isla flavor, Campbelltown has Campbelltown flavor, and so on. And when we were here last July and you were taking us through the tour, you gave us a ton of information, some of which I didn't remember, like the ABV of the wash. But what I did remember, which struck me when I went to Springbank and then we went to Glengyle, is both of those distilleries, the wash in the end, ended up being quite low by comparison to the rest of the industry. And I wondered if that lower ABV in the wash plays a part in the overall flavor profile of Campbelltown whiskeys. Certainly does. Certainly does. Um, I mean, our wash will hover about uh, 8%. Yeah. Okay, so... um, that that works well. That works well for us. Mm-hmm. The the you know obviously Springbank what they do is you know it works well for them. But that that's what we get. Um, as I say, you don't want to go too high. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, all to do obviously your setting temperature, um, your gravities, keeping an eye on your gravities, your final gravities, your original gravities, sure. such like. Um, but. Um, that said, obviously, you're looking for, well, every wash part. We, we're, I mean, we're, our uh, final gravities we're, could be about 997, you know, you could be th- three below there. So okay. it's, it's good gravities we're getting. So you've, 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 you've really got to consider that with fermentation, the whole picture. If the whole picture's obviously um, done the way it should be, mm-hmm. we're working obviously 47 weeks of the year. If we can get that whole scenario to work perfectly, mm. every component of the fermentation to come together, then you will get really good results. And it's hard to understand. You know, it's quite... When you're doing it, as I say, you think, yeah, it's good, but it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> You've just got to get yeah. bang on. Yeah. Ten years. <laughs> Time well spent. I think I'm getting there. <laughs> You know, it really is. It is it's quite a, a, and everyone, the thing is, too, everyone's going to tell you that's the way you should do it. No, right. it's, it's, that's the way I do it, you know, and that's what I find, you know, it works well for Glen Scotia, and I think it enhances mm. what went before, you know, considering old bottlings from the 1980s and such like. So, mm. when we're, and it kind of ties in here, when we're talking here about, what makes up a Glen Scotia and the flavour profile, what have you? Was there a peated component to Glen Scotia previously? Was there some small percentage of the malted barley being used peated? Yeah, yeah aye. I mean, obviously, historically, the, the peated content would have been higher. Okay. When you go far enough back, um, okay. back about the, the 1890s, then you're really going to get quite a lot of peat and Campbelltown whiskies. Sure. Um, when you start moving into the, the, the modern era, if you like, the 60s and 70s, there would have been periods of peat. You know, there would obviously, how they would have worked it out would have been sometimes maybe erratic and random to us nowadays. Sure. Um, but no, the, the, there was always an association with, with peat at Glen Scotia. Gotcha. Um, maybe in the last 10 years, it's slightly... 
enhanced. Mm. We've obviously got lightly peated, medium peated, heavily peated. <laughs> it's yeah, almost like you knew where I was going with that question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Modern it, Ian McAllister time. Well, that's, uh, as I say, it's, it, to me it works well because it was really, especially with the heavily peated, it's so easy to drown out the main components. Mm-hmm. So if, exactly. Yeah. So if you can get that balance, get everything just balanced. As I say, through the process, everything, you know, obviously you're starting off a heavily peated at 54.5 parts per million, fell yeah. all level. Yeah. Time you get through to that cask after three years, four years, five years, whatever, yeah. if, if you've got a nice balance there from, you know, pretty much day one, then you know, okay, this is going mm-hmm. to develop mm-hmm. nice. So yeah, peat is important, and for me, it's it's interesting. It really is interesting, you know, because I think it really, really works well with the you know the Glasgow whiskies. Yeah, yeah. We were nosing a, a twenty ten cast sample earlier, and it had that nice farmyard kind of quality to it, and I always like leading that with very pleasant uh, farmyard quality to it. Um, you're also saying looking for the fruit and then the balance in oh, there. Which comes through so nicely in the palate with that one. Correct. So go on, sorry. Correct. Which part of that do you see fitting in with Glen Scotia, with what Glen Scotia does? I, I mean, well, I, obviously the, the, the whole characteristic of it, especially with something like the, as they say, the 2010 medium peated, um, there's certainly a, a, you know, there's a, a great breadth there in it. You know, every component... You know, you, you get on the nose uh, for such a, a young age, it mm. can be quite uh, tempered. You know, it's not too harsh in the nose. Yep. Then obviously the peating levels are lovely and balanced. You know, mm. just getting enough, all components, all individual components. You could get a fruitiness, mm-hmm. depending, it could be a 2009 medium peat, quite fruity. Um, so every component there, even the finish, you know, the finish is. Finish potentially, sometimes it can be a little bit short, sometimes it can be a little bit, you know, there can be a dryness there, but it's obviously the, the peat's got a lot to do with that. So you, you're obviously just getting every bit of the component there, every bit of the, the, the fermentation you can detect in that. Yeah. Just, just thinking back to that terroir, Campbelltown has a, a, a profile or a, a style, if you will, when it comes to the peated barley, is this peated barley that you're you're getting from the Highlands? Is the, is there Campbelltown peat available for peating barley? Well, no. I mean, the short answer to that is no. What, what I what I've done, and I actually had this discussion today with the the monster, a ten years worth of barley I get I've had from the same place. Mm-hmm. So all my malty barley comes from the east coast of Scotland, Glenesk. Uh, same with the peat. So if exactly what I want, whatever peating levels I'm after, I can get. Um, and same with the, the, the you know, if the, the barley's obviously been peated by them, then they'll use uh, Scottish peats from northeast coast of Scotland. Okay. Okay. And that, that for me, uh, from a quality point of view, works very well because obviously you can, if I know I'm getting it, I know, right, okay, I'm getting it medium peated at mm. 20 ppm plus whatever it may be uh, then I can guarantee pretty much guarantee the quality you know that we're getting um, it's harder obviously for me if you if you you know the older cast samples here because I never had a, yes. a direct yeah. yes. control yeah. over them but I have now with these so I know exactly what I'm going to get yeah obviously everybody loves uh, the local barley and the, as you say the terroir you know everything mm. about the distillery very, very hard to get the, the, sure. the same level of quality with a local barley that you're going to get from something that obviously I can, I've got direct control over. Um, it's obviously grown in such a way where it's, it's, um, it's not industrial, mm. but it's, it's, it's certainly uh, it's really good quality. You pay for that premium, yeah. obviously. Okay. Yeah. And so, so when you're considering your barley... I'm curious. Uh, some people talk about, oh, we use this strain of barley, and some people say we use this strain of barley. And most of the time you hear it's because we need X amount of yield. Yes. Right? 
but you're also doing something that you said your accountants don't like, which is taking a very long time with your fermentation and changing everything around. And so I wonder with the barley that you're getting, because you're talking about the quality of peat for yes. that barley. And I'm curious if that same consideration is taking with the barley itself. Indeed. Yeah. I, I have had numerous occasions where it was advised that I obviously go to a different supplier and All right. um, I pretty much stuck with the. It's always been the same supplier okay. since I've been here. So okay. 10 years worth of malt from the same supplier is, is what I've done. Mm. Um, and as I say, I had this conversation today and it was the same scenario. Mm. Just continue with the same you know, supplier with the malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, yeah, as you say, it <laughs> maybe doesn't make me the most popular person <laughs> in the world, but <laughs> it works. Yeah. Yeah, it works. Yeah. And you can, as I say, you, you really get it. It works well with what we're doing. So right. I don't want to change it. Absolutely. That's not. lovely. Yeah. So talking about money, uh, you are talking earlier about in the late 70s, Gillis uh, yes. had pumped some money into the place, a million pounds, a lot of money in that time. Yes. Um, am I right in saying since 2014 the Loch Lomond Group has has had new ownership? I, I Yeah, yeah, yes. Is I think 2014, yeah, yeah, it would be, yes. Um, and so clearly they have been putting some good amount of money into, yes. into Glen Scotia. And, I, you know, that's when... Glen Scotia started reappearing on my radar mm. um, and some of the, the new releases that have come out, uh, things like Victoriana that we were discussing earlier, yeah. um, that I think is is maybe starting to generate, generate a bit of a cult following yes. for Glen Scotia. And then there's also the AGs in the range that are, are very good as well. What have you been seeing on the ground here since new ownership started pumping in some good money for you around 2014? It's basically, I mean, Jason, the whole the whole aspect is basically um, blossomed, if you like. You know, when you think back to pre uh, two fourteen, two thirteen, you know, it was there was there was no marketing. Mm. There was no the old Loch Lomond Group never had a marketing department, sales department. Obviously, they were very much geared to Loch Lomond Distillery. Sure. So as far as Glen Scotia was concerned, you know, we were uh, pretty much going about our business on a small scale, obviously fine-tuning, developing, just consolidating, really, if, if I want a better word. And we've, we've, we've reached the stage now where obviously they've, they've got the resources where they've just expanded mm-hmm. and they've developed the core range, which is fantastic. So, so it's, deep, it's yeah. it really, as I say, it's been it's been it's only been a small number of years where it's it's went from zero to what you see now. It's <laughs> well, just fantastic. And I think too, when I look at your current core range, and you've got an updated bottle, uh, both for the core range and for your single cask um, expressions as well. And to me, this tells. And this is just me as the consumer. Mm. To me, I look at this and it says, okay, I say this is talking about a distillery. It's showing a particular character. And I think about the the old, the, like the pink bottle and the blue bottle and all of those. And I said, mm. you know, I, I didn't understand the story that that was telling. And now I'm understanding what, what this is saying. And I really ap- appreciate that from a consumer standpoint. I like the story that your your bottles and your labels are telling now, and obviously the juice inside is is fantastic. Uh, I was in Chicago, having tasted uh, Glen Scotia for the first time in a while. I was in Chicago at a place called Warehouse Liquors. Gene is the owner, and I came in, and the first thing he said was, "I know you have stuff for me to taste. I also have stuff for you to taste," because he does a lot of his own. Uh, single bourbon cask selections and so forth. He said, "I've just tasted a whiskey that I think is fantastic," and and he poured the uh, the double cask and he had the Victoriana as well. But it was that double cask. I said, "Oh my gosh, something is going on here. This is this is quite special." Yep. And in in for someone to basically put a halt on our meeting to say, "This is good." That, that got me excited. So when you talked about 2014, that's when it got on your radar again. Yeah, exactly. I think of this retailer 
uh, being excited about what was going on again with Glen Scotia. That, that's what got me excited again about Glen Scotia. It is. It, yeah. it, I mean, it's very humbling. It is very humbling. You know, it really is because, as I say, it's obviously, it was, well, 2008 up to that period, you know, it was obviously in the, I wouldn't say the doldrums, but, you know, it was it was more pity that it was, mm. you know, it was, you know, the, the state of the distillery and everything about it, you know, so it's, it's great to see how, you know, it's, with the right people, you know, in charge, it's developed into something special, you know, and since yeah. a young age to something like double cask, yeah. Well, and well, that's exactly what we're talking about, the peat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, I, right. and, I, and I think for them, though, also making that purchase and, and having you already here, the fact that we can taste that 2010 and there's a brightness to it and a liveliness to it and an eagerness and an enthusiasm. And I think all of those describe you perfectly. And so the, the fact you were kind of working away here, maybe without the same level of support um, as you might have hoped for, you're still producing awfully tasty whiskey. Yeah. And now oh, you've yeah. got new ownership who feed right into all that delicious stock you've laid down in the warehouse. Yeah. It, it seems like a, yeah. a very bright time for Glen Scotia, a very hopeful time. It, it does. You're, you're right, Jason. I mean, it's, it's something, obviously, um, it's team. You know, the team. Mm-hmm. The team's basically, mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. the team's second to none. They're really, I mean, they're the boys that, that do it, and they're so adept and they're so skilled at everything they do that's fantastic. So it it was always in the back of my mind. I knew that obviously, this 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 has got something special here. It could go somewhere, mm-hmm. but it just needs that special something to exactly. develop it. You know, because I knew the whiskies that we we're obviously developing. The, the whiskies that has obviously been in recent whiskey. Eh, sorry, recent times had really you know really been good, good Correct. you know a good product. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's 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 fantastic to see, yeah. and we just keep going the way we're going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with it. with that in mind, uh, obviously, with us doing single cast nation, yeah. uh, and you being a, a distillery manager who puts single casks into his uh, distillery shop, what are you looking for when you're putting a, a single cask offering into the shop? What are you looking to either find in the warehouse? What are you looking to deliver to a consumer? What story are you looking to tell? What's in your mind when you're selecting a single cask for your shop? Well, hi. I mean, if obviously, if we consider what we've got here, what we've tasted today, um, I mean, I'm really, bottom, bottom line for me is I'm looking to obviously portray that Glen Scotia um, image. So if I can obviously get a cask which obviously demonstrates... Um, the single cast will obviously give you a great example of mm-hmm. Glen Scotia whiskey. Um, more often than not, as you see in front of you, it could obviously be bourbon. You know, have a bourbon relationship. That's what I'm I'm looking for because mm-hmm. I think it absolutely works wonderfully well with the you know the new make spirit that we lay yeah. down, and it it's, it's develops fantastic. Obviously, we've got the peated examples. Same with the, the core range, but if a single cask, yeah, you're really looking for that that special cask. Finding that special cask, which is no easy task. <laughs> Finding that special cask that will obviously say that's that's wonderful. Yeah, that's Glen Scotia. That's yeah. got the oiliness. It's got the subtle saltiness. Yeah. It's got all the flavours of the bourbon relationship going on there, and it just comes across beautifully. Just to extend out that thought. If you were to say, this is Glen Scotia's house style, mm. what, what would you say those, those components are? All the components. You, you, on the nose, as I say, you, you know, more often than not, if it's a cast strength, it could be mm. quite tame in the nose. You know, alcohol-wise, it could be quite balanced. You, know, mm. you, you maybe not get a lot of alcohol in the nose. You're getting, you could get a creaminess, you could get a butteriness, you could get caramelised sugars in the nose. Mm-hmm. You're getting that lovely... Vanilla, mm-hmm. subtle vanilla, palate. You could get, you could get a fruitiness. Other times you can get a subtle spiciness, but you can get a fruitiness yeah. there. A lovely balance. You could get fresh, fresh vibrancy coming through right, there. Right. 
you get a subtle oiliness in the mouthfeel, same with the saltiness. Ever delicate saltiness. Yeah, I like that. Delicate. Yeah. Very, very delicate. But everything there, all these components, they vary, they vary in complexity, they vary, vary in balance. Mm-hmm. But everything should be just at the right time, at the right place, just yeah. to make it, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. I like that. You should never get too much anything. You know, if you're too much right. alcohol, you mm-hmm. get too much. Maybe it's a bit harsh, that. Maybe I'm getting too much spiciness. I'm getting yeah. a woodiness. You know, there's so, yeah. so many yep. things that can alter. Yeah. But if you get all the, the other components, that to me, Glen Scotia, single cask, single cask nation. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect right there. <laughs> Get out on that? Yeah, I that's think perfect. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, my Thank pleasure. you so much. So, Jason, a wee bit of news before we start wrapping this up. Oh hell! If we're if we're continuing our normal framework, I've got a misconception. Good, 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 good. Uh, I'm excited about that. I'm curious to hear your misconception because we haven't we haven't talked about what a potential misconception would we be. We haven't. I'm going to surprise you with oh, it. Oh, I like it. I like surprises. So, a wee bit of news. Surprise! Hey! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, you said you like surprises. Yeah, well, yeah, no, not that kind of a surprise. Oh. Like, give me a surprise birthday party. Okay. Surprise me with gifts. Okay, well, do not look at the steering wheel right now. <laughs> uh, so, just to let everybody out there know, if you've been holding off purchasing tickets to Whiskey Jubilee Seattle, then I am sorry to tell you, the festival is now closed out. It is now completely sold out, and we're we're in Scotland, so I'm going to use the word. Jason, I'm chuffed. I'm chuffed. (laughs) Chuffed. He's chuffed, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So we always sell out Whiskey Jubilee. Usually it, it sells out maybe a week, two weeks, three weeks in advance, something like that. Yep. Never in, in in all the years that we've been doing Whiskey Jubilee. You're not going to keep the Scottish going? You're not going to go with the never in our cream puff have we sold out two months in advance? Where does that come from, the cream puff thing? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be rhyme and slang. Glasgow rhyme and slang of some description, but I don't quite know where cream puff goes. Mm. So... So I, I just grew up with a dad who said it all the time. So. <laughs> and did other people say that or yes. just your dad? Okay. Yes, it's not okay. just particular <laughs> to our house. Okay. Oh, I'm doing 45 and a 30 oh, zone. Oh, easy, easy. Let me apply this yep. middle pedal. So there's a school right there, Jason. Do you know I've got a middle pedal here? It's, it's, it's because all of the not all of the cars, but the vast majority of cars out here are on manual shift, which I, which I, I quite miss. So never in my cream puff. Never in our cream puff. Pedal in the middle slows down the car. I never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so never, you were saying something about your cream puff. Never an hour cream puff. Have we sold out a whiskey jubilee two months before the actual event? Never. In a city, yes. no less, oh. that is perhaps one of the most chill cities oh, yes. where they always wait until the very yes. last minute to do anything, yes. which yeah. makes it difficult to plan anything. Yeah, when we launched Whiskey Jubilee in Seattle three years ago, and we were trying to get a sense of numbers, we were trying to get a sense of catering, we were trying to get a sense of venue, and the ticket sales were sluggish. Mm, they it, really were. Yeah. It was almost impossible to get a handle on are we going to get 150 people 250 yeah. 350 how much food do we need how, yeah how's this going to work and people kept telling us don't worry don't cancel it keep going with your plans uh, make it whatever size you think would be a good size for seattle people will come and they did and now they're coming faster and faster. Yeah, they, they really are. In fact, you know, it, it, it had us so nervous that first year. And for me, it was the food. Of right? course. How much food yeah. do we need to order? Yeah. And I think if memory serves, two times we needed to increase the amount of food 
for that first event. Yes. So we'd call our caterer and say, remember we told you it was going to be this number of people? <laughs> no, it's now this number of people. Okay. And we don't think it's going to get more than that. <laughs> Fast forward another few days. We just sold another 50 tickets. Can you... <laughs> Can, can you add more food on? And 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 then it, it got to the point where it did sell out first year, which yeah. is great. Yeah, which is really great. Yeah, those good people of Seattle have supported us exactly the way I thought they would when I implored our company to take Whiskey Jubilee to Seattle. Yeah, yeah. So so it's officially sold out, and that is that is the the biggest news that we have. Every now and then, it's nice to catch up on news stories that aren't the biggest news stories of the day. And we do that in a segment we call In Other News. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, a refocusing on Special Projects Division Online in 2018. And we've told many of you there's wild turkey coming. Uh, we started the episode by talking about the Port Charlotte that's coming. Uh, we also have selected some very special casts this trip that will be coming to SCN Online Special Projects Division. And we will share more information about yeah. those over the, the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah. So enough news. I, I need... Oh, oh shit, I, you have something? Yeah, I would, I would... Oh, look at you. I would remind folk that our Whiskey Jubilee New York City tickets are currently for sale. And... The early bird special is active. It is active. So this is our New York festival, which will be Thursday, June 7. And tickets are normally $140, uh, which is a bit of an oddball for our festivals. You know, you've got Chicago and Seattle. Those are both $95 per ticket. New York is more simply because it's New York and everything is more expensive, be it venue, food, you name it. So... (laughs) Uh, so we have to pay for stuff somehow. But if you don't want to pay $140 and you want to get 15% off your tickets, just use the promo code EBGTW218. Early bird gets the worm, 218. And that will get you 15% off your ticket. So it turns into about 120 bucks somewhere around there. You've got fees and stuff like that. But still, you're saving money for that festival. And that early bird promo code, it ends March 9. Okay. So That's good to know. If you want the discount and you wait until March 10 to apply that discount, you, sir or madam, will have made a poor life decision by waiting. <laughs> and if one of your friends flies in to attend the Jubilee with you and you didn't get a ticket at all, yeah, then we will be advising them that they need better friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, is, is there any other news until we get to this big surprise, the reveal of, of, what, you, of what your misconception is? Pump <laughs> the brakes, don't build it up too much. No? Is it just shitty? <laughs> no. Jeez, look at this. Another one-lane bridge with everybody. Oh, my goodness. Look at this line of traffic. Is there priority? Yeah, we have the priority, but all these people are already on it. Wow. (laughs) I will also add that it's so bright here. And... uh, Did you have to wear shades? I didn't bring any because it's Scotland. Normally you need an umbrella. (laughs) Uh, So there you go. That was a very kind lady. Stop so that we could get across the one-lane bridge. Now they can continue. Um... Try and keep the car going at the speed limit. Not get too excited. Um, yeah, misconception from Jason. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm traveling around the southeast, mm-hmm. um, selling the the Impex portfolio. Yeah, yeah. There are there are tastings when I'm dealing with a, a different crowd of people. Okay. When when I have been Trump supporters, and when I continue to to go around pitching single cast nation I'm walking into places where yeah. people have a, a passing familiarity with single casks natural cast strength oftentimes regions of Scotland oftentimes the distilleries that occupy those regions of Scotland mm-hmm. so, so it's a very it's a very knowledgeable crowd very um, whiskey specific knowledge nice um, as I'm going around 
now representing things like Cole Holman, Tam Du, Isla Sky Blend. I, I keep encountering a, a very, very strange um, conversation. I'll meet somebody, might be in a, a retail store, might be at a, a food expo, yeah. could, could, could be a, a different kind of place, somewhere where, where it makes sense to pour whiskey. And I'll, I'll say to them, oh, as, I, as by way of, of introduction, oh, hello there. Mm-hmm. Do you like whiskey? Oof, I, I, don't, I don't like whiskey. I just, I can't stand all that smoke uh, that's in <laughs> Scotch whiskey. Yeah. And I, and I say, okay, well, I, I've got stuff here, like my Tam Du. Yeah, sure. Right? Not smoky in the slightest, nice, real big sherry notes to it, very rich, good, yeah, good sweetness, sweet and spice. Yeah. And, and they'll trust me and they'll give it a taste and they'll say, oh, that's delicious. That's not like any scotch I've ever had before. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thinking to myself, we've got in the ballpark of a, a hundred plus or minus working distilleries in Scotland and a handful of them make peated whiskey. Yeah. Yep. I I'm completely frazzled and, and mind boggled the the number of American consumers yeah. who think Scotch is smoky. I, can I add something? Please, here? please. I think I know exactly why. Mm-hmm. Most people for the for those people who say they don't like whiskey there is a 92 to 95% chance that their first entree into whiskey was some sort of a blend. And there are so many of them that have some sort of smoky component. Hmm. Think about your Johnny Walkers. Even Johnny Red has a little bit of smokiness to it. So much, but even though it's little... If you're not used to tasting a smoky element in your drink, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. You're going to notice it Very immediately. Then you've got Johnny Black, which is more intense. Mm-hmm. And these are, you know, two of the biggest selling blends. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many others that have that little bit of smokiness to it because, you know, they're trying to show different flavors and, and, and things like that. And so, so I think there's a good chance that people have gotten their entree into scotch whiskey and here's the thing they don't know the difference between what a blend is what a single malt is they just know it's scotch yeah i I knew the category hopping was a problem yeah um i I could identify that and obviously coming from scotland single malt's always been single malt right it's blends have always been blends right there's there's no there's no category hopping there um, and so I, th- I think your analysis is spot on. I'd also be be curious to hear, given our our above average listeners, mm-hmm. I-, I wonder how many of them either have friends or family members who hear, "Oh, you like your you like your scotch." Ooh, I wonder how many of them have heard a family member or a friend say, "I don't like the smoky stuff," yeah. Yeah. or or how many of our our listeners have offered a whiskey to a friend or a family member only to be told oh I don't like it smoky yeah yeah, um, yeah. and so yeah if you're if you're one of the listeners and you fall into that category drop us a note uh, Josh will give you a list in a second of, of ways to get in contact with us but, but drop us a note I'd love to hear if you're experiencing the same thing because I really do I get it in every market uh, at least at least once a day. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah sometimes it's a multiple yeah. times a day. Uh, yeah, no, that that's that's a, that's a good thing to bring up because I hear that all the time. The reason why I said there's a 92 to 95 percent chance that that person's first entree into quote unquote scotch was them trying to blend is because about 92 to 95 percent of all scotch whiskey being sold is a blend. And that that's really where the market is. So if that's the percentage being sold, that's gotta be the percentage being consumed. Especially if you're just someone who goes to a bar and you've got friends saying, ah, give us a round of scotch, scotch and water, scotch and coke, scotch on the rocks, whatever it is. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. 
<laughs> okay, so if you want to drop us a line, like Jason has requested, uh, or if you want to get in a last-minute question... I was just about to ask you, when's the, the podcast that we're currently recording in the car that people are now currently listening to? Yeah. What date is that dropping, as all the best rappers say? And I'm, so this, I'm nothing if not one of the best rappers. So this episode is released January 31, Ooh. which is the last day to get us a question. Ooh, that's tight. Tight, tight, tight. It's really tight, and I've got to tell you, make it a good one, because <laughs> we've reached our limit of questions. However, if you have something that just is so unique, so interesting, we want to get to it if we can. Um, it may end up bumping out someone else's question. Who knows? Anyway, we want to an- we want to answer as- answer as many questions as we possibly can. So, uh, get us a question by January thirty first, two thousand eighteen, and in our two thousand in our February fourteen two thousand eighteen episode. That'll be our mailbag episode. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get to all of them. At this point, we can say our next episode <gasps> will be the one year anniversary. Read our mailbag episode. Wow, look at that. That's exciting and amazing, and time has really flown by, and the support from our listeners continues to be phenomenal. Phenomenal. So how can they get in touch with us, Joshua? So email us, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. You can tweet at us, at onenationwhiskey. You can send us an Instagram message at One Nation Under Whiskey. You can send us a Facebook message, facebook.com slash One Nation Under Whiskey, and I've added a new one. You can join our... <laughs> listen to me. Don't, don't you laugh, I feel like, Buster. I feel like I can get blocked out of that. I wasn't even saying anything. I can get blocked out of it. <laughs> join our new Facebook group. We have a Facebook group called One Nation Under Whiskey. So join the Facebook group, and that is where a lot of conversation, we hope, will migrate to. You can you can post questions there. You can send us messages through the group. Folks can talk amongst themselves, share Humans. pictures. What's that? Humans. 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 Human. More human than human. Um, so that's another place to get in touch with us. Is there anything holy crap? Look at the size of that lorry coming right after us. Oh, good God. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is my favorite stretch of this road because you just keep making turn after turn yeah. after turn. Yeah. It's just super, oh, Jesus. super tight. Anyway, I think this might be a hey, I think this might be a good point to say goodbye. And, and oh. I, I will emphasize oh. normally, oh. we will cheers one another, we will cheers our <laughs> listeners. We do not have yes. any whiskey so we're just having in the whiskey. car nope. while we're driving through Scotland. Well, we have plenty of whiskey in the car <laughs> because we've got we have a shit ton of whiskey in the car. Yeah, we we are we're swimming in whiskey. However, the whiskey is not in us. No, so so we don't have a cheers, but I, I will give a little honk of the horn uh, as we bid our beloved listeners adieu, and uh, we will catch them. Next time in the mailbag episode. We will. We'll catch you on the flippity flop. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. I do have to throw in the little added bonus that yeah. I left my house three hours after you left your house. Yeah. And I got to Glasgow three hours before you did. Okay. I think I did something right. I think you're a braggart. <laughs> <laughs> and low oh. on this day, Joshua. Oh my gosh. Oh, Jason, are you going to Oh, let's do it. Oh, Jason's We're going gonna... past okay. the trucking. Okay, so major roads in Scotland. If you haven't been in Scotland before... <laughs> Oh, let's uh, keep going. Jesus fucking hell. Oh, 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 you got me so scared. I'm not even in sixth gear. <laughs>